Do you like scary movies? <laughs> What's your favorite scary movie? Oh, sorry, <clears throat> wrong film, uh, but a bloody good question. Hello, Pod, I'm Chris Stewart, and welcome to a very special episode of the Empire Podcast, brought to you in association with our lovely and talented chums at Sky Cinema, the only place that brings you a brand new premiere every day. Every single day. That noise you can hear? That's a new premiere being added to Sky Cinema. <laughs> it's true. And once again, we've convened a very special and talented pod crew for a short series of podcast debates, or pod debates, if you will. And in time for the scariest night of the year, and to coincide with the launch of Sky Cinema's spooktacular, they asked me to say that, Halloween collection, we will be asking, is Halloween the scariest movie of all time? Oh. <laughs> and if not, what is? And joining me to do a deep dive into this most terrifying of topics are three of the scariest people I know, and I say that with love. Deep, deep love. First up is a man who reminds me of Michael Myers. He is single-minded to purpose. Mm -hmm. He is relentless in pursuit of his goals. And he's wearing an inside-out William Shatner mask for some <laughs> weird reason. Please welcome the face, voice, and the devil's eyes. The blackest eyes of Alex Sane. <laughs> Thank you very much, Chris. There is nothing left. No reason. No conscience. <laughs> no understanding. I am pure evil. Hello. <laughs> welcome. How are you? Yeah, very well, Chris. Thank you for having me. Lovely oh, to be here. Do you like a nice bit of pure evil on a Tuesday morning? <laughs> really helps the cornflakes go down. All right, next up is the host of Absolute Radio's Breakfast Show. A man as famous for his razor-sharp wit as his trademark razor-sharp fingers and green and red striped jumper and signature jingle. I don't know if you know, this is quite famous. One, two berries coming for you. <laughs> Three, four. After the news and weather, it's Dave Berry. Thank you very much indeed, Chris. Look at my top note. I was going to sing in my introduction. One, two. I was going to go for Davey's coming for you. I don't know. Does that put us under great minds think alike? Or well, fools really differing. <laughs> Let's go for great the first one. Great to be one. here. Great to be here. How are you, man? You good? Very well, thank you. Excellent, excellent. Last but not least is our very own geek screen queen, <laughs> our very own final girl. If you want to make it out alive with this podcast, never, ever go on a trip with her to a log cabin because bad shit will happen to you. <laughs> you will be stabbed through the chest with an arrowhead whilst in flagrante. She'll just sail through serenely yeah. to decapitate the baddie on a beach. Weirdly specific, but welcome, <laughs> Helen O'Hara. You hey, right? You know, I just feel like Sometimes it needs to be done. Sometimes you need to go to the beach for a quick decapitation. A quick... Uh, yeah, here, here. Yeah. Just lop one, off, yes. said it. lop one off the neck. All they frown upon that sort of thing in Bournemouth. Although we're not well. talking about it, beaches I found terrifying after watching... Did you ever see Blood Beach, the Jaws rip-off, where the yes. thing lived under the sand? Yes. Uh, that scared oh, yeah. the crap out of me. Like, I, I was terrified enough of the sea after Jaws, and then I couldn't <laughs> even go on a beach because of the monster that lived under there. Yeah. Good thing so, you never saw the promenade killer. <laughs> <laughs> close to the, coast. the candy floss evil. <laughs> Gradually moving further and further inland. <laughs> the mountain murders. <laughs> Until you end up in Milton Keynes. and Nobody wants that. Uh, with all due respect, of course, to Milton Keynes and its residents. Anyway, so now the intros are out of the way. I think that's all the time we have. Um, well, thanks for coming in. Yeah, uh, let's get the big question out of the way. Uh, Alex, I'm going to start with you. Okay. Is Halloween the scariest film of all time? Mm, I'm going to say no. But look, listen, I watched Halloween when I was a teenager, uh, as I'm sure a lot of us did, on a VHS. I did a double bill of Halloween and the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, oh, oh yes. Because I really wanted to screw myself up. <laughs> and I do think Halloween is a phenomenal, stripped-back, 
bare, pure slice. One hour, 30 minutes of terror. I think it's mm. a fantastic film. I think Michael Myers is the grandfather of the modern slasher. And I do think it's terrifying. Is it the scariest movie? No, but at the time, man, it was the shape, this relentless faceless thing that just constantly moved forward and it wasn't Freddy Krueger I hadn't seen Freddy Krueger maybe I had but it wasn't this wisecracking killer and it wasn't the silliness of Jason Voorhees at that point which obviously you know Jason's great but he's no Michael Myers it was the fact that it just it moved so slowly and although I said it at the start there's so little character development for him he is just Mm. this blank canvas that you paint your own fears onto Mm. and when Sam Loomis (laughs) Dr. Sam Loomis I love Donald Pleasance in this. Jeez, did that guy ever have hair? Is <laughs> <laughs> that Dread Quote from Halloween? <laughs> it's Dave, Michael. have you seen this movie? <laughs> it's the one with the hoverboard, right? <laughs> it's Michael Myers' only line. <laughs> Jeez, did that guy ever have hair? It's all muffled because of the mask. <laughs> but seriously, I did it at the start, but the bit where he goes, there was nothing left, no reason, no conscience, no understanding, pure evil. And that is mm. all you mm. get about Michael Myers for this movie. And I think that's fantastic. I think he's a brilliant, brilliant boogeyman. I would say as well, what, I, I don't think that Halloween is the, is the scariest movie of all time, but another thing which it does, which is, is terrifying, is that the, the bits where he's hiding in the shadows, like so many horror films have given us, kind of comes in the last 15 minutes of the hour and a half. It's just the fact that he's in broad daylight. He stood mm. outside mm. her school behind the car you know, in the kind of overalls and the masks, yeah. just staring. And there's something chilling about that, that this isn't a creature hiding in the shadows, as you say, is relentlessly moving forward. The other scary thing about this movie, because I rewatched it in preparation for the, for the podcast, is Jamie Lee Curtis's character, even though she's been stalked at this point for some time, decides to smoke some weed. That is the last thing that you should do, Jamie Lee Curtis. If you feel like you're being stalked by a man in dungarees, don't get high. (laughs) Dungarees. It's a boiler suit. (laughs) I literally want to go on record. This film would not work if Michael Myers was in dungarees. (laughs) But it won't be for Chucky. And Um, backwards baseball cap. Are you sure you've seen this film, Dan? I have seen this film. Okay, But that's what I mean is, why would you want to be... I hate manure. Why would you want to be stoned? Do you know what? I think that's a, I think that's a legitimate point. As is the fact that she keeps reassuring the kid that she's babysitting that there's definitely yeah. no bogeyman, which she's literally been complaining about it earlier in the day. She's literally been complaining about the scary man looking at her. Yeah, yeah. all day. Little, yeah. little Tommy Doyle, who uh, went on to be played by Paul Rudd that's in right. Halloween that's Six, right, yeah. and they wanted to get him back for the sequel, Halloween Kills, and mm. I think he can't do it because he's doing Ghostbusters. But that would have been great. Make some time in your schedule, Rudd, for God's sake. I know, I right? Mean, he's yeah. probably he's probably just de-aged too much. He doesn't work for sequels. <laughs> does he? You know, he's just getting younger. He's gonna be the child. Again. Again. Yeah, you don't look six anymore, Paul Rudd. You look four, so we can't cast you, sadly. Um, but no, I, I, uh, I think if it isn't the scariest, it'll do till scary gets here. I mean, oh, yeah, I just, yeah. it's, it isn't probably the scariest one for me, but it is. it definitely did the job the first time I saw it. That said, I watched it again this weekend and I sat there nitpicking and I don't know why I did. But I was literally sitting there going, okay, so the bit outside the classroom. What were you nitpicking? Okay, the bit outside the classroom. Where right? he's, he's just standing, staring from across staring the road, at yeah. her. Mm. And then the teacher asks her a question. By the time she's finished answering the question, which is perhaps 15 seconds, let's be generous, I don't think it's that even that long, <laughs> he has gotten into the car, started it up, and driven out of frame. <laughs> yeah. I mean, 
He has to hustle, is what I'm saying. And I want to see the version of one of these films yeah. where you see the scary man <laughs> yeah. go from staring implacably to, like, running around the back of the house. Someone flinging dungarees. Is a, it really ruins a horror movie. But this is the best thing about Michael Myers. Apart from his dungarees, uh, it's the fact that he is not... It's never clear, like, whether he is a very resilient human man mm. or he is this supernatural force the idea that he gets shot i think six times by sam mm. loomis at the end falls out of the window and then has disappeared just when walks he looks, off just walks off yeah. mm. but it's like then you hear him breathing at the end yeah that, the breathing is well you know breathing. why because he's just out of breath having to run around the corner <laughs> he's like, oh, where did i park my car <laughs> you're right Find because there's keys. a bit where he's hiding behind the hedge as well yes the first and he time has to seen. run around the back of the house yeah yeah I do think I learned a lot of bad lessons from this movie. I really did buy into this whole Puritan kind of ethos that John Carpenter forced on us. I, I became very nervous about ever being the guy at a party who would kiss a girl. That's my reason! Because, uh, <laughs> because what was their reasons? <laughs> because, like, this They'd whole... They'd seen Halloween too, obviously. <laughs> this, this whole idea that, you know, he... It, it, although he has denied it forever, he's gone, he's gone. I really wasn't trying to make a statement about promiscuity or anything. Mm. The fact that it is everyone who has sex and smokes weed gets killed and the virginal Laurie Strode uh, is the only one who actually survives because she doesn't do anything bad. She's a good girl. You'll get to live. Yeah, and she, it is yeah. a bit. And she stabs him with knitting needles. And there's nothing more middle class and... There, uh, and there is nothing <laughs> anti-authoritarian okay than that. Okay than that, yeah. yeah. It, it, uh, or, or anything that says celibacy more. <laughs> no, no disrespect to knitters. Actually, there are quite a lot of very cool knitters that, out there. Oh, God. That yeah. might have been the reason at the parties there. <laughs> Just have to pick up my seven cats to get to my knitting needles. But seriously, Michael Myers, there's something very primal and very brutal. It's it's before the kills became a kind of showpiece for mm. these slasher movies, and it was like, what's going to be the unique way in which someone gets killed? Him, it's just a knife and stabbing, and it's very brutal. And, you know, I mean, later on, I, I do like the fact that he birthed Jason Voorhees in some way, and then we get Jason Voorhees doing crazy stuff like in Friday the 13th Part 8, I want to say. Jason takes Manhattan, where he mm -hmm. literally punches a man's head off his body <laughs> in one punch. Or the fantastic Jason X, where he dips the girl's head in the liquid nitrogen, pulls it out, and then smashes it into a billion oh, pieces. Oh, yeah, that was horrible. Yeah. But that's what, that's what but you eventually get to. You were like, wow, I want it to be even bigger, the kill. Because it always has to be escalation, doesn't it? I think that's what I, that actually happened with the most recent Halloween. So it's clear that we're mm. talking about John Carpenter's Halloween, which came out in 1978. Where, and there are two other movies called Halloween, just really confusingly. Uh, there is the Rob Zombie remake, which... Right. Yeah. It's probably not worthy of discussion, I would yeah. say. And then it's the most recent one, which is a sequel directed by David Gordon Green, which has Jamie Lee Curtis returning and Michael Myers back again, even though he had his head cut off by her at the end of Halloween H2O. It's all very confusing. <laughs> We're not counting that one, I think. We're not counting that. that. It's been yeah. retconned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. this picks up after the original Halloween, and I'm so pleased you called it Halloween H2O, because I genuinely think that is the worst title for a movie ever. Because it's Halloween H20, surely, yeah. because it's referencing the fact that it's 20 years since yes. the original. And yet you always read H2O as water. Yeah, and yeah. Always. And you're making these weird connections like... So is Michael Myers something to do with a C? I guess, what the... <laughs> the boiler suit's quite Thames water, I thought. So. 
<laughs> you should see the new uniform. It's dungarees. <laughs> and the William Shatner mask. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, I think the new one is um, very enjoyable indeed. Yeah. I like the fact yeah. that, although he's only in it partially, but the fact that they brought Nick Castle back, the original yes. Michael Myers from the first movie, is um, is great. Because in the first movie, the only apparently the only direction in the original John Carpenter one that John Carpenter ever gave him, other than walk from here to here, don't act, uh, was when he kills Bob and he goes, I want you to tilt your head like you're looking at a butterfly collection. <laughs> and that bit yeah, wow. really yeah, speaks that's... volumes about Michael Myers. That's a bit of characterization yeah. we get. That bit is really creepy. I had questions, though, about Mike Myers as well. This is one Mike of the things... Mike Myers. Mike... Sorry. Groovy, Michael... baby. <laughs> 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 Michael Myers. Like... So he's been in, imprisoned or in, incarcerated since he was six? Six, yep. Okay, yep. first of all, that kid looks more than six, but okay. He's been <laughs> incarcerated since he was six. He hasn't said a word during that time. Yep. Um, and yet his doctor has decided he's like super pure evil, there's no question about it. Because um, he looked into his eyes and saw okay. the blackest eyes, the yeah, devil's eyes. Like a like shark's a doll's eyes. eyes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but also, like... Has he killed people inside? Where has he no. genuinely, where has he learned to kill? Where has he learned how strong he is compared to other people? Where has he yes. learned what he can do? Mm. I genuinely wondered. I, I thought that was a nice a, a nice scene in the in the, the most recent movie where you see him kind of shackled and he's got his yes. own amount of square footage around him that he can operate within. I think that was a really yeah. nice way that of setting really up that creepy. we're dealing with a yeah. dangerous, yeah. dangerous it's guy. Good. I wondered, and I still wonder now, whether or not we see just a little too much of the side of his head because the camera sort of gives you a, a little bit. We've never really seen him, apart from when he is a very cute kid. The original. <laughs> he is in that little outfit. He's so cute. Yeah, horrible. I mean, what happened? Um, Hello, but... Michael. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> but in this, when the camera just sort of reveals the side of his face and you can see he's got this sort of grizzled Beard and it's graying, and I genuinely went. He looks like he could be an ice road truckers, and I didn't like. <laughs> Those men could mess you up. I mean, they are big tough. Yeah, they are. Yeah. They are. Yeah. But I do think. Um, what have I you do... got against the ice road truckers, Alex? <laughs> Nothing. I just think most of them have killed. So... Do they wear dungarees? <laughs> I think they do. Don't we all at some stage? <laughs> but it's that thing, isn't it, with uh, with these two journalists? Two things. First of all, have you ever met two characters that turned up in a slasher movie that have dead meat written on their heads? <laughs> yeah, yeah. More than these two arseholes. And B, isn't it amazing that you can go, we're making a podcast, can we come to a secure mental institution? <laughs> like... Yeah, I don't see any problem with that. I mean, in fairness, look around the room right now. I mean... <laughs> It's pretty much the case. Yeah, it's true. Are we also, all imagining outside this door? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Will they actually let us out when we're done? They're of course also, I went and got a coffee. They're the worst podcasters in history as well, because they, they turn up to interview Jamie Lee Curtis halfway through the film. I feel we may, may have gone off the beaten track here, but when they when they turn up to interview Jamie Lee Curtis halfway through the film, uh, they put their recording equipment, like, 15 feet away from her. Yeah. And they just go, yeah, that'll do. That'll do. And how much do you want? $3,000? Yeah, there you go. Have it. That's all we've got. What sort of, how many podcasters walk around with that sort of money on them? Yeah. How do you record from over there? I mean, they're dead. They'll never get to hear it, but that sound quality is going to be bad. It's going to be terrible. Shall we all get our wallets out? <laughs> So there is, a, there is a funny bit about um, those two journalists turning up to interview Michael Myers because John Carpenter in the original, he got the idea for that cute, cute kid with a vacant stare mm. from actually oh, visiting a mental institute and seeing a kid there when he was researching the original Halloween. He saw a kid there who had this blank stare and that was in, what mm. inspired that really weird shot where they sort of, the parents freeze and they're just holding the mask and the camera pulls mm. out slowly and you're like, yeah. okay. It's a weird shot that because you've got, so the kid is just, 
he almost looks more traumatised to me in that moment than he, sh- he maybe should. But you've got the dads who are bending down going, what's up, Michael? Why are you holding a bloody knife? <laughs> um, and, and you've got the mums who are standing there with their hands in their pockets like, ugh. <laughs> Classic and I, Michael. When he <laughs> says a bloody knife, he means a knife covered in blood. Yeah. Not a bloody yeah. knife? <laughs> Where'd you get that? <laughs> Even in the kitchen drawers, Michael. <laughs> And that's I, yeah, that's that's a cool origin story. I didn't I didn't actually know that. But have you have you guys heard the uh, one of the reasons why Wes Craven came up with Nightmare on Elm Street? Mm. So he'd read about a sleep study in Korea where kids were actually dying, have studying sleep deprivation. But also as a kid, one night he was in his in his home, his childhood home, and he heard a noise outside, and he looked out the window, and there was this guy in a red and green striped jumper shuffling along the street, and he stopped. And just looked up, and looked at Wes Craven directly at him, and then Wes Craven looked. Young Wes Craven looked away and looked back again. The guy was coming closer, and then he was trying the door of his house oh as well. My oh my god! So that's that stayed with him as 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 it would. I Wes know he stayed yeah. with me as well. Yeah. Now, <laughs> the way you told that, yeah, Dave, don't know, look now. <laughs> I know that. Uh, I know that he named. Which I don't know. Are you allowed to do that? Because I'm sure they put on the bottom at the end of credits. It's like this movie is entirely based on fictional people. It's not meant to represent anyone in reality. <laughs> he named Freddy Krueger after the kid who used to bully him at school called Fred Krueger. <laughs> it's not even clever. It's like I'll add dy to Fred Krueger. <laughs> it's nothing to do with you, Fred. You dick. The opposite, of course, of what Alex has just said, which I've noticed with horror films, is we can make this podcast a thousand times more scary by just saying. This podcast is based on a true story. <laughs> and we're already a thousand times more scary than we were at the beginning. And we were pretty damn scary, yeah. To begin with. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, but Nightmare on Elm Street, I will say, mm. uh, in preparation for this podcast, it is still to date the only oh, film terrible. I haven't rewatched. I couldn't rewatch it. Mm. It, I, really? I, I even because the one scene, obviously, I think you know, I think we can talk about a lot of these movies. With a, a good horror movie, will burn one image from it onto your brain yeah. forever. Uh-huh. And for me, obviously, it's that iconic moment where Johnny Depp explodes out of his mattress. <laughs> yeah. And I remember yeah. being an idiot as a kid going, how on earth did they do that? And then realising they sellotape the bed to a ceiling. But, but like that whole Sellotape? Is that what they I don't work on movies. Yeah. I, don't, I don't work on movies. I'm not a props guy. I don't know. But I couldn't even... I, I went to look at it last night on YouTube and I couldn't bring myself to watch it because it would bring oh, back wow. so many memories. The idea of Freddy Krueger is one of the most inspired yeah, horror ideas is. ever because as a kid when you watch these terrifying movies, the one release you have is like when I fall asleep, I'll wake up and I it'll be the new day, it'll be a morning, I'll have forgotten the nightmare I just lived through. And that goes, you're in bed, you're about to fall asleep, that's when he gets you. Yeah, yeah. well, um, uh, a film that, we, that I have in common with your esteemed colleague Terry, um, and she loves it as well, is Nightmare on Elm Street 3. Oh, Dream Warriors. Dream Warriors. Yes. And it's set in the psychiatric hospital um, for children and I think one of my you talk about those things that get emblazoned on your on your mind the bit where Freddy decides to use the kid as like a string puppet oh, with yeah. his with no, his veins. veins. Yeah. And yeah. he walks him up to the top of the building and it looks like he's committing suicide. Yeah. But Freddy's controlling him through as I say like his veins are strings. Mm. Oh my that's, god. That's that's a moment yeah. that Terry no. and I spoke about and it's I I can still hard see that pass. now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hard pass. Yeah. I I'm a I'm a big horror film guy. I can watch all sorts of gore and groove, but anything to do with veins mm-hmm. I'm in I'm in all sorts of trouble. So that yeah. bit has always uh, fucked yeah. me up in in Dream Warriors, great film though. One of the mm. one of the first clips I ever saw of Freddy Krueger was him throwing uh, somebody over over his head into a furnace, just very <laughs> casually, kind of. Wow. Because <laughs> it can. Yeah, and I genuinely that 
freaked me out mm. for a long time. It's the, the funny thing with Freddie is, and this may say uh, a lot about me, but he was one of the few posters I had on my bedroom wall as a kid growing <laughs> what? up. What? Why? Genuinely. I Are had, you okay? I had, I had Clint Eastwood <laughs> in Heartbreak Ridge because a local video shop gave it to me. I had Freddy Krueger and I had Wayne's World. They were the only three things, oh, wow. and an Ewok that the Star Wars fan club sent me. Thanks, I don't want Han or anything. Um, <laughs> But Which he <laughs> that was, was it, was, it was Warwick Davis. Yeah. Oh, okay, we're okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, but my thing is, is that there was a time, and I think it was just after Nightmare on Elm Street Three, the Dream Warriors, where Freddie became he kind of jumped the shark on regular occasions and then threw it in a furnace. Yeah. Um, and he became a kind of almost like one of the Simpsons. I, he does become like this. Um, this I love like Freddy Krueger now, although I still won't rewatch it. But he, even in High, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Two, which is actually a very good film, he's mm. already become this character in his own right, this yeah. very chatty guy. Because he's not that in the first mm. one, but by the second one already, he's like, "How mm. you doing, kids? I'm gonna kill you. Freddy's here." That's a great. Yeah. That's pretty good. That's chilling, <laughs> chilling. Yeah, I, I love those movies as well. Up to a point, the, the point where they become terrible. That's the point where <laughs> yeah. I don't like them. But they 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 do speak to escalation as well. You're, yeah. You know, because Dream Warriors is crazy and over the top, and uh, what came next, what came the Dream Child, and all that sort of stuff. And it was it was it, it, that's kind of what happened with the Halloween remake or the reboot slash sequel that David Gordon Green did. We're talking about how, uh, Michael Myers' capabilities. And there's a point in the new Halloween where he literally stomps in someone's head. That's how strong he is. And yep. uh, there, there seems to be a point in these movies once they become franchises where the filmmakers just have to keep trying to top themselves I think and top that's, themselves. Yeah, I think that's a, a real danger, particularly in horror franchises. Like the, the push to always be bigger, always be scarier, always yep. be more violent, gorier, just can kind of deform these movies into mm. something completely different. And I think the only way to try and avoid that is what I think Alien tried to do, which is you've got essentially, at least they tried to have a essentially completely new genre or mm. a new twist yep. on a genre every single time because that's the only way that you avoid getting in an arms race with yourself, yep. essentially. Yeah. Just throwing more aliens and more guns at the situation yeah. is yeah, going to make but, a better I mean, film. Yeah. But, it made but, an action I mean, movie, not a slasher movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the second one is, a, is an action movie. The third one tries to do something a bit weirder well, and different. Kind of gothic horror yeah. sort of thing, yeah. I, but a lot more goth. And then, the, you know, the fourth one, again, tries to d- get a whole kind of moral aspect in there with the whole experimentation mm. on prisoners and that kind yeah. of issue. So yeah. there's they're trying to bring something new to it and not just be like, this time more aliens and their blood's even more acid. <laughs> There's yeah. a really, I, I don't know whether this story is true. Uh, however, because I've never found any anywhere online which says it, but someone did tell me that apparently when James Cameron pitched aliens to Fox, uh, he walked into a room and he wrote alien and then he put an S on the end <laughs> and drew two dollar signs, like, it, turning it into a dollar sign, and was like, huh? And they're like, we're in, James. <laughs> Did they think that was the name of the film for, for the longest time? <laughs> we can't wait for Aliens, dollar, dollar. It's, it's going to be great. <laughs> Uh, but there is there is a, a kind of a disconcerting pattern in horror movies. Not just that the the, um, the escalation of kills and the focus on the kills. One of my favorite horror movie series, or one of my favorite horror movies, is The Omen. And Omen Two that that has kills and really interesting mm. kills. I'm sure everyone remembers David Warner. Spoiler alert: uh, being decapitated mm. by the pane of glass, mm-hmm. uh, and that got such a reaction. It's filmed from 17 different angles, like it's a goal in the World Cup final. You know, they just really <laughs> went for it. And that got such a big reaction that Omen Two, which is still a good film turned into a kind of compendium of really inventive kills. People get their eyes picked up by ravens. There's yeah. a guy who gets sliced in half by uh, something that falls through a lift shaft. Great kill. But the film itself becomes diminished. 
There's mm. also a tendency, I think, to turn the bad guys of these movies into the heroes. Into the heroes, eventually. Yes. Mm. This is something I've been complaining about for years, Steve. Yeah. Chris, you know this. But like, when you ha- when you get to a point where even the Velociraptors in Jurassic Park <laughs> become the good guys. That's such a good point. When, hey, when, blue, blue, look at me, blue, blue. <laughs> really? When you when you get to Bit a of point, on a cracker. <laughs> we're, we're not only meant to have sympathy with. Darth Vader were also meant to have sympathy with Hannibal Lecter who oh lost a sister in childhood. Do you yeah. remember that? Yeah. I mean, it's it gets ridiculous. It's, you, let bad guys be bad guys sometimes. Which, I mean, it, to a lesser degree, but I think in the same breath, it's why the Halloween 2018 remake actually retcons this whole Michael Myers being related to Laurie Strode. Mm-hmm. Because in the sequel, the original's sequel, 1981... It, that's in the in the very first film. It's, she's just a babysitter who accidentally yeah. crosses his path. But in the sequel, it's revealed that she's his younger sister, and they've got rid of that. And I do think that's quite a good thing because it removes that purpose to Michael. Like there is some sort of familial relationship he has that is driving mm. him to kill her, and also opens it back out that he's back killing anyone. Any of us were all possibly at risk, yeah. as opposed to him hunting someone for a reason. Yeah, there's nothing scarier than the unknowable yeah. and not knowing why the hell he is after her. Well, actually, in, in, in the new one, he's not really after her. He just kind of happens upon her because she's hunting him down. But uh, he's just he, he's drawn back to Haddonfield and he's just basically going to kill indiscriminately and relentlessly. And he's implacable. He's, he is like a zombie in many ways, one of the yeah. slow-moving Romero zombies. And he, he will... He will get you no matter what you do, no matter where you go. So many terrifying. podcasters. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's got a podcast I'm these days. Slain some of them. That would be <laughs> funny. That would be funny if he was just doing podcasters. Like there was a scene with him on the iTunes podcast list going, "Who do I hate most?" <laughs> <laughs> Have you been reading my film pitch idea? <laughs> who, who has a one-star review? <laughs> Can we please not put this idea in people's heads? Thanks. Yeah, yeah. So, would you love to hear the Michael Myers podcast? <laughs> and his special guest is Jason Voorhees and it's just an hour of silence with a nice uh, jingle at the beginning would there be some breathing sound yeah. there might be some breathing Fre- Freddy Krueger's the comedy <sighs> sidekick <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> yeah. every now and again for a witty one liner where you're from Wisconsin <laughs> <laughs> make that happen make it happen yeah. um, anyway so yeah. the scariest movie of all time is not Halloween mm, no what no. is it Helen O'Hara you know it might be Goodness. Alien I mean, there, there's. Ooh. It's not my favorite of the even the Alien franchise. I I am more of an Aliens girl. Me too. Um, uh, and there are other films. There are other probably <laughs> horror films that I love more. Like The Thing, I think is fucking incredible. Yeah. But in terms of just pure scariness, I think I think Alien has got to be pretty high. Just because you know you're trapped in a space outside is literal guaranteed 100 percent death immediately and inside is literal 100% guaranteed death probably Mm -hmm. so it's just it's not a good situation is what I'm saying Mm. All right. yeah I agree I agree that Alien is very scary weirdly it was much later that I found one of the scenes that Ridley Scott excised from the original cut truly upsetting which is the bit where you see a part of the alien life cycle that we've never seen before where he she opens a door and she sees Dallas mm. and uh, one of the other crew members and they're being metamorphosized into the eggs and they're actually turning slowly into the eggs that will hold Ooh. the face huggers and it's kind of upsetting in this weird because they're alive but it's not like they're waiting for a chest burster they're slowly organically turning into an alien egg and it's not it's only in the director's cut but it's yeah. really like 
Oh, what a way to go. Ugh, nasty. It's not yeah. good. And but there, there, there's no good way there's to go. There's no good way to go. Have you ever seen in Aliens, talking about Aliens, I, I, I found, I know, I, this is only recently where I found Burke's death, like, online somewhere. Like, I'd never seen Burke's death because he's always been that sort yeah, of like, yeah. what happens to Burke? And there's a scene that James Cameron didn't even put in the director's cut when she's looking for Newt and mm. she finds Burke strapped up like a colonist and he's like, help me, help me. And she's like, I can't, I, I can't, I can't help you. You're, you're, a, you're a goner. I think she gives him a grenade or drops a grenade and <laughs> that's the end of Burke, which is great to actually finally get some closure on that. Yeah. But the reason James Cameron didn't put it in is because he was so respectful of the timeline between when someone is implanted with oh, it, uh, yes. uh, and a yeah. face yeah, yeah, yeah. hugger uh, implants someone and how long it takes for the chest burst to, to come out and it would have been too quick in Burke uh, yeah. in Burke's timeline for that to be included. One of the other sad things about the death of Burke was my much-beloved American sitcom from the late, 19, late 1980s <laughs> just became called My Dad. Yeah. <laughs> it's just not as... as <laughs> that was a really dark ending to season four, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> like all great horror franchises, it ended up in space. <laughs> my other dad just rolled a grenade towards him. <laughs> dad! What are you yeah. doing? But you are right. I, when you were saying horror, horror franchises, just like they get bigger and bigger, and, and it becomes like, how ridiculous can we make it? Like Leprechaun Four, is it where he goes to space? <laughs> it really ruins the sanctity of the Leprechaun franchise. <laughs> Bad example. Is that, I, I didn't know that. Is that true? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a fourth it, Leprechaun movie. Yeah. Yes. Isn't it Leprechaun in Da Hood as well? <laughs> yeah. All sorts of. Yeah, yeah. My goodness. But it is. It's turning the monster into the star. But then I guess the the, the monster is the drawer. I mean, you just really like look at the victims as people who are going to be killed in gradually more yeah. and more extreme ways it's like rereading game of thrones right you can't reread game of thrones because you go back and it's all written from the point of view of people who you know are about to die <laughs> and it's really hard to invest in these books because mm. you're like well you're dead oh well, Matt, you're dead i can I, skip that chapter i fundamentally you know? agree i'm honestly like to, it's a bit off piece but like this is why i don't think anyone really wanted a solo movie because we had literally just seen that character die at the hands of his son spoiler uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think people may have seen The Force Awakens in The Force Awakens and at what point having seen that death yeah. do you then go I'd love to see the same character as a cheeky chappy running yeah, around the with empire his whole life ahead yeah, of him causing hijinks yeah. surviving getting the better of the enemy when you go yeah but uh, you die on a gantry at the hands of your son so this is yeah. depressing yeah this, that's a good that's a, that's a fair point and I, I do get that I get the urge, you know, because you've got this established monster that people invest in and love and have posters of, apparently, on their wall. <laughs> Thank um, you. But, but you ha that's why you have to make us care about the victims and you have to give them enough to do mm. and you have to actually, against yep. all odds, convince us that they might not die this time. And that's why I actually am drawn to films like the original Halloween, where we spend more time and we get to know Laurie Strode. Yeah. And even some of the later Friday the 13th movies, there, there is a hero who develops and rises, Tommy Jarvis from Friday the 13th 4 on through 6, mm -hmm. played by three different people in three different movies. <laughs> um, but we get I, I, you get to identify with him. And it's not the scariest horror movie of all time, but I couldn't possibly let this go without mentioning Evil Dead 2, which is, of course, as we all know, the greatest movie <laughs> of all time. And that is entirely based around its hero. And it's one of the yeah. few horror franchises to create a hero and someone that the, it's the focal point of a yeah. franchise rather than the evil zombie dead. Well, there are, there are things like Ash Scream. As, yeah, there yeah. are things like Scream as well, which have a final girl yeah. who is the hero yes. fighting all the bad guys. Yeah. But I think Scream is also a good example of 
getting people to invest in all of your secondary characters. Scream's a great example. enough time with them. Yeah. Scream, Scream 2, the death of Randy and oh Scream 2 oh. is I'm heartbreaking. I'm still not over that. Yeah. Not I'm over it. I'm <laughs> never going to forgive them for that. Yeah. Um, and, and Or The Thing as well, another great example. Like You yep. want those characters to survive. They are great characters. That's true. That's true. I do, I do, uh, I do 100% uh, agree with that. And I do think uh, Scream is worth noting because Matthew Lillard's in it, who is amazing at everything. He is incredible. I yeah. love Matthew Lillard. <laughs> I just, any opportunity to go, Matthew Lillard, did someone mention him? No, well, I am. Have you heard Chris's uh, fantastic pitch? What? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, yeah, so it's an idea for a film called, it's called Lizard in a Blizzard, and it stars <laughs> Matthew Lillard and Fred Willard as two uh, garbage disposal men called Donnie Lonnie and Lonnie Donnie, and they uh, have to track down a priceless lizard that gets lost in a blizzard in New York City. And I've only got past the first five pages so far, but uh, it's going to be really good. It's be Draw great. a couple of lines through that S. Let's get this right. I am so getting Dave, my you're, you're wallet in. out right now again for the second time. How much do you need? I'm in. I need all of it. Basically, whatever you've got. I'm I need here to it. ask for £100,000 of your money for 5% of my film business, Lizard in a Blizzard. I, a, well, I really wanted you, Deborah, but... As um, as one of your major investors, however, I'm going to require that it's my lizard that plays the lizard. <laughs> oh, okay, listen, I'm fully on board. We shouldn't have done this podcast now. We should do it in ten years' time when Lizard and a Blizzard has become a reality, and no. we can really answer the question: What is the scariest <laughs> film of all time? It's that film that made Alexei and the Dave Berry go bankrupt. <laughs> it's that one. Can we do another podcast, please, Chris? Just uh, I'll, whatever you've got. Just, just give me like just enough money for a coffee. But we've, I'll def- be here. we've definitely done Batman, haven't we? Have we done Batman? <laughs> <laughs> I've got more on Batman. <laughs> so we've been talking about like classic horror movies, though. I mean, mm. I, I think we should touch on like this modern crop of horror movies because uh, they are they are a mixed bag. But I do think there are some movies in there that were we kids we would find some terror in. Because in preparation for this, I watched um, uh, Insidious: The Last Key, and I love the first Insidious movie, mm. and I do think. First of all, in Insidious The Last Key, I do think thank goodness for Lynn Shay because she's great, oh, she's great. in it. Yeah. She's yeah. so good. And it also does that thing which uh, the Halloween remake does, which is add a bit of comedy with uh, Tucks, uh, Tucker and Specs, uh, the two mm. comedy ghost hunters. And I mean, it, it's done better in, uh, in the new Halloween, but that idea of putting an audience at ease and making them relax with some comedy, as long as it's not at the expense yeah. of the horror, and the horror is still frightening. You're not making a comedy horror, you're making a horror with some funny bits. The audience gets off their guard, and when the actual murder starts or something terrifying happens you are more scared than if you were sitting there on edge waiting for it to happen. Yeah. And it also has a really good moment, although the villain in it is called Keyface, which <laughs> is just too close to so, Taserface for me. Yeah. Or, or, a, or a guy called Keith Ace, <laughs> who's a tennis instructor in... Yeah. <laughs> or the bass player in a band that never quite made it. <laughs> hey, guys. On, on the key tar, it's Keith Ace. <laughs> what? You mean we didn't get the contract? I'm going to do some murders. <laughs> I um, I do think it does that thing that um, Nightmare on Elm Street does, which is when you apply dream logic to reality. I think that's one of the scariest tropes in horror. And there's a bit where <coughs> Keith Ace, uh, <laughs> basically, the girl is screaming and it has fingers for keys and it just reaches into her throat no. with a key and turns the key and <laughs> no. turns off no. her scream. Oh, and it's that yeah. thing oh, where, that's you, nice. where you're like, that's dream logic, like where you're in a dream yeah. and you're mm. screaming and no sound's coming out. Yeah. And that moment I was like, 
That's good. That's a scary bit. That is a scary bit. It is good. Yeah. I actually really like the Insidious movies and how yeah. batshit insane they are with the, <laughs> the idea that further Insidious, the way Insidious Chapter 2 folds back in itself and becomes a kind of Back to Future Part 2 thing where it's in the original movie as well. Oh, it's it's good stuff. Yeah, there's, there's some really clever stuff going on in those movies, I think. And yeah. I think they're, they're, if anything, underrated. Um, and you've got the, the new Blumhouse crop of horror movies yeah. and the likes of Get Out and Us Ooh. and the Conjuring films as well. And you know, and things like The Witch and mm-hmm. It Follows mm-hmm. and uh, Ari Aster, The Rise of Him the with Babadook. Midsummer and Babadook. The Babadook. Oh my God, oh, top, of my, top of my list on my phone. I absolutely love that movie. Yeah. And Get Out as well is such a fantastic film. That The bit in that where he goes upstairs and the whole kind of dinner party mm. hushes down and they all look up and they listen to him kind of creaking around. Yeah. Now, that's genuinely scary on many levels. 4.5, just go on about Blumhouse, but $4.5 million that costs, and their model is impeccable. Their model is incredible. idea of making horrors at $10 million or less, they then go on to undoubtedly make a profit, and I think I'm right in saying, I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure I read an interview with Jason Blum where he was saying that the Get Out script had been through numerous studios before it came to him, and it was budgeted so high no one would take it. They were yep. like, "This is we, we just can't do it. So he worked with the filmmakers. I'm, I'm sure he worked with Jordan Peele to basically yep. strip it back mm. and go, what can we take out to bring down the budget and turn this into something that we can greenlight because it will certainly make a profit because it's budgeted so low. Mm. Mm. Absolutely. That, that's the key. And that, that allows them then the freedom to actually, you know, take a risk yeah. on something like Get Out, which, you know, no one had ever done before. And mm. I think that's brilliant. Um, but even stuff, you know, even just classic scary stuff like Annabelle. Yes. yes. Scary doll. I mean, yep. that's, doll, that's scary perennial. Doll. Yeah. Know. Who yep. isn't going to be scared by that? So before we, before I ask you guys specifically for your scariest films of all time, what sort of what sort of scares are you drawn to? Are you drawn to a, a, a succession of short, sharp shocks, lots of jump scares, things leaping out at you from the edge of the frame, or you, do you like the films that kind of stay with you and, and fade your mind and keep you awake at three in the morning, like <laughs> The Exorcism of Emily Rose did to me? Because there's a whole thing in that movie about how evil is most active at three in the morning, and the night I saw it, I just went home and I had all the lights on, and at three in the morning, it was like, okay. <laughs> Evil does not seem to be here. I think I can sleep. I'm good. That movie fucked me up. I I think the films that are the horror films that are kind of anchored in some kind of reality are the ones that tend to stick with me the most. I think more than the kind of paranormal scares. That's why I I enjoyed Hostel. You know, and I I know it's just it's a gore fest, but I think that the idea it it starts with that. It's almost like American Pie at the beginning. It's the the, the two guys. They're they're stoned. They're in Amsterdam. They're travelling around. They're looking for boobs. You know, it's kind of like some American lazy teen thing. But how it turns nasty is absolutely inspired. And, I mean, the scariest thing about that film, by the way, I rewatched it in preparation for this and I thoroughly enjoyed it, is that whole wide leg jean boot cut thing that was going on in 2005. Because <laughs> I, I know there's a few pictures of me out there wearing those. And every time I was like, oh, oh I didn't, did I? Um, yeah. Isn't it weird that it still operates on that same Puritan theory that uh, the original Halloween does, where these guys get killed and suffer these awful things? I mean, to talk about scenes that are burned into your brain, My the bit goodness. where they slash across his Achilles tendons oh. is... Well, how he unshackles him first and says, "We'll just walk out the door." But yep. he's done that, and I mean, my goodness! Yep. But mm. it's that thing, like uh, you know, they're being bad boys, so they get punished. Mm. But yeah, yeah Hostel is um, Hostel. Eli Roth, I, you know, you called it a gore fest. It, it, I think after Cabin Fever, this is when the whole torture porn yeah. thing mm. began again. Gorno, Gorno yeah, oh. uh, where we were treated <laughs> to horrific, uh, visceral images of flesh being torn apart as horror. Absolutely. Yeah. So you I, like a Hostel and not its superior sequel, Hostel Part 2? 
You does don't that, like, does you it don't not like feature that? Uh, some... Does, does it, it not feature does it have someone? someone <laughs> does it have someone in that... Wait, wait. Is there someone in that... Oh, wait a, a second. drunk British tourist? Wait a minute. <laughs> is it me? Am oh I in Hostel Part 2? Are you in Hostel Part 2? Oh my God, yes I am. I'm in Hostel Part 2. Oh gosh. This Briefly, is brilliant news I'm today. credited. Okay. In, oh, yeah. I'm in the credits of Hostel Did you, Part 2. What, was, that through, was that through Empire? Did you get involved there or were you just on holiday in... I just happened to be... I was looking for some boobs. I've got blue jeans on. <laughs> and I wound up in Hostel Part 2. I'll, uh, I'll see your Hostel Part 2 and oh, raise, no. you, uh, raise you Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead, third zombie Whoa! from the front chasing Ving Rhames into the elevator really? at the shopping mall. Yeah. No way. That's, my, that's, my that's amazing. Thing. Uh, okay, that is yeah. But are you credited though? Uh, I don't think I am, although... Suck it, saying Just to undo any credibility I did have, <laughs> I'm also in Juice Bigelow, European Gigolo. Yes, you are! <laughs> which it's I am amazing. credited in. But not as me, as Dan Vanderhoek. Not even a funny <laughs> name. <laughs> Alex, at uh, uh, the time, was going to change his name by Depot to Zombie Third on the left. <laughs> so we could get the credit that he deserves. That's but right. That's Alex, I, I, des- I, re- I described Juice Bigelow 2 in Empire Magazine as the Godfather Part 2 of male gigolo movies. <laughs> so I think I remember reading that going, I wonder what they're saying about my film. <laughs> you look at starring Rob Schneider and not Alex Zane. What a shame. But it's oh what a movie. <laughs> And actually, probably a good answer for the, the, the yeah. question is, what's the scariest <laughs> movie of all time? <laughs> it's Juice Bigelow. But not from a horror perspective. <laughs> um, is it, but to keep on the... Uh, to, to get this back on track slightly... Um, <laughs> just with, just Juice Bigelow! The, the, no, talking of zombie movies, the, the, the idea that I find the reality in a horror film, the scariest, that opening sequence of 28, 28 Days, days later, later, where oh. London's deserted and he's wandering around yeah. in, the, in the hospital gown, that's, that's, a, that's a scene that really stays I with you. I still flash back to that some days yeah. when you get up too early on. London, yeah. so fucking hell. It's, it's scary, man. Living People are scary. Yeah. Um, having said that, one of the scariest films I've ever seen is totally unrealistic in every single way, but I think it, it has something that really works for me, which is that you give me something gross and scary and obviously bad at the beginning, and then nothing for a long time, so I'm on edge <laughs> the entire time. Oh, okay. So that was Cube. I don't know if you've ever seen Cube. Oh, my God. Cube. That right. film screwed me up as well. So, so basically, a guy wakes up in a cube-shaped room, right? and there's a door in each wall and the ceiling and the floor, um, which connect to other identical cube-shaped rooms except they're different colours, right? right? So he starts kind of climbing from one room to the other, trying to figure out what the fuck, and... He goes into this one room and basically lasers appear and dice him. Yeah. And you're just like, what? Yeah. what? <laughs> it's the scene from Resident Evil in the corridor done yes. again. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. it's really good. I think it was before I think it was, yeah. So, so yeah. It, yeah. Free, and then other people wake up in other rooms and they gradually get together. I was recommended The Cube recently. Oh, man. So, it scares me nasty. so much. And also, the reason The Cube's good is not only these horrific deaths. To horrific. Each room is booby-trapped in a different, awful way. Yeah. But it's the fact that they're, they're, it's the guy who you think is going to be the hero. And it's about these relationships with these people. And it's a guy who you're like, okay, this guy seems a bit mean, but he's the guy who's going to get he's them gonna out. He's going to get us through And here. then like the way he switches and you're like, oh, there's one thing he does in it where you're like, what did that? Did that just happen? <laughs> it's awful. It's awful. The cube yeah. is great. Yeah. I do like, for me, it's movies, horror movies that um, do that thing where they separate the protagonists in an isolated location somewhere. Yes. So it actually doesn't even have to be horror. Like uh, the, the Name of the Rose does it really well at yeah, Monastery. That's uh, really creepy. In the Name of the Rose. Obviously, the Overlook Hotel in Shining is, um, is another one. I actually even think. 
The Nun does it well to talk about the Conjuring franchise and The Nun. Like that monastery, I mean, two things. First of all, Damien Bashir is brilliant yeah. uh, and that's yep. great that he's in it. I love that monastery and I love how scary it is. And of the two spin-offs from The Conjuring, I would take The Nun a cross-dressing demon <laughs> over, <laughs> over Annabelle. I think I, I think Annabelle's good, but I've seen photos of the real-life Annabelle, yeah. and she's not scary at all. She's so a, weird, though, huh? She's a raggedy Ann doll with, a, like, a stuffed raggedy <laughs> Ann doll with a smiley face. Look at you baiting Annabelle. Are you <laughs> mental? <laughs> Why, you you ain't scary. You're just a little rag doll. <laughs> so the weird mad? thing is, the weird thing is, you, you talk about this sort of, like, the Ed, Ed and them, um, it's what, Lorraine Warren, Lorraine the, Warren those yeah. cases and this whole idea of horror having this thing in reality no matter how much you sort of go nah it's just all I don't really believe mm. in the paranormal the fact that uh, according to legend a guy did bang on the Annabelle glass because she's there in a case in their museum and a guy banged on the glass and was like goading Annabelle died three hours afterwards in a motorbike crash it's kind of weird because I'm an uh, agnostic, uh, but I'm drawn to films that have a supernatural bent and things that have kind of a religious theme as well. Because I think it's terrifying to me if I'm wrong, basically. <laughs> but also the idea that there's something that can reach out and grab you at any time and possess you at any time. So I'm a big fan of possession films. So it's, uh, you know, we have mentioned The Exorcist, for example. Oh, I watched I mentioned, it just yesterday. Oh, my God. Wow. It's, you know, we, we will summon Kerr mode. He will appear. He has been known to wander this building from time to time. So if we're talking about The Exorcist for too long, he will appear. But films like that, films like The Exorcism of Emily Rose, things that are, you know, things that have, The Omen, for example, The Omen is one of my favourite all-time horror films mm. and it revolves around the Antichrist and biblical revelations, stuff like that really freaks me out. I cannot believe you don't watch more Supernatural. I, 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 Literally 15 every, seasons, Helen, I'll, every, I'll get around to it. Every single one of those elements. Mm. Really? Is it, I've, not, I've not watched Supernatural, is it really good? I, I really love it, but okay. like... Okay. That, that's With caveats. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it is 15 seasons. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm looking for. Once I've, uh, once I've finished uh, what I'm watching at the moment, which uh, isn't on Sky, so we'll remain nameless. <laughs> 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 I will, I'll get on to that. All right. But um, I, for me, it's imagery. It's like yes. I, I've said before, mm. it's like if, the, if I think of a movie and I see one definite image from that movie, that's the thing that I go, oh, my God, that really, if it's still there, it screwed me up. Like, you think about Gore Verbinski's remake of The Ring. I know for sure that every time I hear The Ring, the image of them pulling back that wardrobe door and seeing her twisted face in horror is mm. always there. Always or the climbing there. out of the well through the TV is mm. obviously the famous scene oh, yeah, of that, yeah, which yeah. is still... Yeah. Really frightening. It's the bit where they pull back the door, though, and her face sort of rotted, and she's yeah. just got that... It's that look of terror that you're like... It just basically embeds in mm. your mind how freaking scary yeah. and this those, thing is. And Ooh. those J-horror films in general have a, a really dark, almost nihilistic feel where there is ultimately no hope. No, no yeah. hope. There is no escape. There is no bargaining. There is no reasoning. It's the fucking Terminator of horror movies. <laughs> um, which maybe is also a horror movie, but you know what I mean? Um, it's, I, think, I think they're, they're super, super scary. With, with the, the, the films that have that ability, you can almost replay the bit over and over again in your mind, mm. is um, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre where he slides the metal door open oh, yeah. and he yeah. hammer, mm. hammer yeah. kills. I, wanted to, I didn't have time to watch that because I was watching The Exorcist, so I just went on YouTube just searched it out just to remind myself of how it looked so we could talk about it a little bit now. Um, and the first thing that comes up is it's a GIF. 
the, the, the Leatherface Hammer Kill is available, kids, as a gift. No. So send it to all your friends and family. <laughs> what, what situation would you be in <laughs> to send that to someone as a gift? I said, I was going to, it's a gift. My wife's like, you're so old. I was going, no, I mean, look, it's a gift. Dave seems pretty angry today. I don't know what I've done. I got the Leatherface When I get in, I'm going to hammer kill you. Go to your room. Oh, my God, the Empire Podcast Massacre. Brought to you by Dave Barry. I just remembered something that I thought of when you mentioned the hamstrings earlier. Mm. Um, the th- one of the things that has scared me most in horror this century is uh, Wolf Creek. Oh, it's the God. head on a stick. Oh, well, that is. still freaks me the fuck out. I no, I never. If I never see that film again, it will be too soon. Well, I mean that, that epitomizes horror that's based in reality oh, as well. Yeah, if that's the yeah. thing that uh, scares you, I think it was you said that, mm. Dave. Yeah, that's um, that's a that's a horrible movie. Just to go back to the uh, the uh, Japanese horror, and weirdly, it's the remake that um, that really did it for me. I actually, I actually think, although it wasn't well received, The Grudge with mm-hmm. Sarah Michelle Gellar. I is love The Grudge. So terrifying and the, it's about the atmosphere and that whole atmosphere of not only being tormented by these spirits but these spirits but being in this alien like environment which is mm. japan sort of doubles down on how alone she is in that situation yep. it's the yeah. noise the spirit makes when it's near it kind of, yeah that's oh it's calling oh, across the ceiling oh, oh my yes. god mm. can we talk about one of the great sci-fi horrors we've done alien we've done the thing Frickin' Event Horizon is so, so good. Do you know what the most upsetting thing I find in life is the fact that there is a a two and a half hour, two hour, ten minute director's cut of that movie that is so disgustingly gory that people fainted at the screenings, that the studio made him cut down because A, of the gore, and B, they wanted to rush it out. And the footage, and this is where it becomes its own little fucking horror movie, the footage was stored in a salt mine in Transylvania and it wasn't (laughs) stored properly, so it rotted away. So we will never, ever get to see the two-hour, ten minutes of Event Horizon, which is upsetting. I've still never seen, sorry, Chris, I've still never seen Event Horizon, but it's been on my planner to watch. And the reason I just interjected was because every time we do one of these podcasts together, somehow, (laughs) (laughs) you guys, and last time it was with James and not Helen, you end up talking about Event Horizon. I've got got to watch it. What's hilarious is, like, basically every cast member of Event Horizon has a very good career, and they all come up in other movies, and we end up interviewing them reasonably, (laughs) almost everybody, and we end up interviewing them reasonably often, and every single time poor Sam Neill or Jason Isaac's in here they get event horizon questions and you can see them literally be like John I haven't, haven't prepared for this yeah. why would I prepare to talk I, to I, I, I have to I'm contractually bound to talk to Sam Neill about oh event horizon every single time every single time Jason Isaac's in that movie though I got it wrong I thought it said liberate may save us but it says liberate Tuta May, save yourselves. <laughs> he's so good. He sells it so well. Yeah. And he's doing an Irish accent for some reason. And no one ever asks why. It's so good. Hey, Irish people are allowed to go to space, all right? Of course they are, yeah. I've got that on my T-shirt. <laughs> my mum's from County Mayo. That's awfully big up there, isn't it? It's terribly scary up there. I wouldn't go up there if I were you. Um, yeah, it's so good. So I love... I love... Yeah, Michael Fassbender. I wouldn't go up there if I were you. I'd race cars instead for a living. Um, it's so ter- oh my god Event Horizon uh, we mentioned earlier on the idea of films that stay with you and keep you awake Event Horizon I'm not <laughs> people will laugh gave me nightmares for two straight weeks mm-hmm. and I saw it at university and uh, a flatmate and it, yeah, listen there are better films out there there are films that are more technically <laughs> perfect there are, there are films that may even be scarier I don't think there are but it <laughs> fucked me up for two straight weeks and my flatmate and I were obsessed with that film 
to the point where he started to produce a series of comic books, uh, one, cartoon strips, one-page cartoon strips called The Continuing Adventures, uh, spoiler Dave, by the way, of uh, Dr. Weir and Captain Miller in hell that all <laughs> ended up with Dr. Weir going, well, we're going, we both need eyes. <laughs> and it's so... It's so good and it's stayed with me forever. And every time I talk to someone from that movie who was even just tangentially connected to it, I have to talk their ear off for five to ten minutes. It's so good. It's so creepy and unsettling. And it's a great combination, like Halloween is, of those short, sharp jump scares, but also stuff that really gets under your skin. So I watched Halloween two nights ago and then watched the the new Tarantino last Mm. night. And something about the combination gave me freaky ass dreams all last night and it was really upsetting but I, I kept seeing basically in the background of like interesting cool 60s stuff in the Tarantino Michael Myers just like sitting up oh wow and getting up that and I'm scary. like yeah. that no do not want I'm dreaming that oh, but yeah, yeah. Uh, not, thank not you for mentioning Event Horizon oh, listen lip- I just love I love that movie I remember that the video where the ship's in hell and they find the video oh. uh, I think it's oh, called yeah. the, the blood orgy is what it's been described <laughs> as but like apparently in the in the footage that we will never see that goes on for ages and is even more horrific because I've stopped it to try and see what is going on in that video because it's so Awful and grotesque. Yeah. I've heard you guys talk about Event Horizon so much that without even seeing it, I'm pretty sure I do well on Mastermind. <laughs> <laughs> What's your special subject? Event Horizon. Yes. <laughs> Where does it take place? On the Event Horizon. There you go. Bing. They go to hell. Why is Sam Neill's dead wife so scary? Because she pops up in events with no eyes. <laughs> no eyes. No eyes. Yeah. Do you say? Do you say? <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. Yeah, it is. I, I, even the opening shot, which has had sort of 720 revolve of the space station, that disorients you right from the off. And it's, oh, it's so freaky and, and cool and super creepy. And it may be my answer for the film, because it, it's all subjective. What is the scariest film of all time? And again, yeah. there are probably there are probably better films. And there are certainly better horror films. Mm-hmm. But it's this, it's a film that most uh, scared me and unsettled me and, and still does. And Sean Pertwee as Smitty is oh. so good. Like, when he finds the bomb and the expression yes. on his face when he's he realises he's too late and he's going to die. Spoiler? Uh, <laughs> what do you mean, spoiler, in a questioning tone? How dare you use a questioning tone when delivering that sentence? I'm, I'm helping you with your quiz. I'm helping you when you're in the quiz. He can't, he can't defuse the bomb. He's going to die. <laughs> spoiler. But he does this great expression where it's just like, Oh, it's <laughs> yeah, yeah. great. So good. This ship is fucked. Also, oh, so good. So good. So that may be my answer for what the scariest film of all time is. Alex, what's yours? Uh, it's, well, it's not really a film. It's, uh, it is a film now, but it was a, a, a mini series, a TV movie that was split into two parts. I think you're going to know what it is. Oh, Nothing yes. has ever scared me more than Tim Curry as Pennywise the Clown <laughs> in oh, It. That, Agreed. I was, A, I was terrified of dogs anyway. And people go, so what's the scariest scene in there? And it's the bit where Pennywise appears with this really long neck and the jail guard, uh, the hospital guard, looks up and at the top of this neck is a Rottweiler's head and just goes... Wearing that kind of clown... Pardon me, it's not a joke here, wearing a ruff. (laughs) It is actually wearing a ruff, yeah. Yeah. I mean, come on, clowns and scary dogs, it's like... it's it's not good, that's not good. And while we're here talking about scary stuff, uh, and we're on the subject of Stephen King adaptations, Shawshank Redemption's terrifying, isn't it? <laughs> My God. Uh, no, that amazing shot in Salem's Lot, which is also a miniseries, a kind of, you can count as a movie because yeah. they put it together uh, for TV. And that shot of the little vampire kid at the window. Oh, the window. Scratching oh, at the window. Really yeah. I think David Salem's Sol Lot... being a badass. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think Salem's Lot is underrated. I think Salem's Lot should be 
a movie. I'd like to see that. But also, that's one of the books that really freaked me out because it's that slow, creeping spread yeah. of vampirism mm-hmm. through this small town yeah. is just really unsettling. I mean, I guess... I guess it's almost a cliche to mention it, but, I, I, you know, we haven't mentioned The Shining, really, and that is yep. truly one of the scariest oh horror movies. And I know Stephen King doesn't like Stanley Kubrick's version. I think as far, as recently as, like, when he released Doctor Sleep, he was still going, uh, this is a sequel to the book, not the Stanley Kubrick movie. <laughs> Let it go, people, King. <laughs> some people seem to think it's scary, and you're like, yeah, it's terrifying. But in his defence, I read The Shining for the first time quite recently, the book, and I... Um, I do think it's not the best adaptation. You can see why Stephen yep. King yeah. is a bit funny about it because it was a very personal book. It's about alcoholism. He was dealing with that at the time. And the movie sort of pitches Jack Torrance as kind of a bit evil from the get-go. There's very little good in Jack Nicholson's performance in that movie. Yeah, so. I think that's I think that's fair. But Danny but Danny movie. scooting around in isolated hotel corridors yeah. is yeah. one of the scariest moments ever. It's I'm impossible not to think of when you're in a you know, a holiday inn yeah. or a Premier Inn or wherever else you guys you stay. Know, on a scooter. You know. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what? I was actually in I was in Yosemite National Park and I went to the Awani Hotel, <gasps> oh, which is wow. one of the inspirations for the interior yeah. of the of the Overlook and I did have a couple of moments of like, because I was just looking at one point, there's these lift doors and they're literally red <laughs> with the wow. kind of beautiful gold surround and everything. Yeah. And I'm a bit like, not feeling too it's, comfortable. It's on my to-do list to go <laughs> to the Timberline Lodge in Oregon, which yes, is obviously which used is as the, the exteriors yeah, the exterior. for the Overlook. Although there's no room 237, there is a room 217 from the book. And apparently yes. there's some, been some ghostly goings on. I wonder if that Uh-oh. helps with their uh, tourism. But uh, let's just uh, <laughs> assume it's real and not some kind of scam. <laughs> Is it, <laughs> do you like is, the fact? Um, do you like the fact that the, the Shining is basically? Uh, I, do you ever? You've obviously seen Room Two Three Seven. Yeah. yeah. That 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 documentary, the bit where they go on about the moon landings and how Stanley Kubrick basically was the guy who filmed sure, the sure. fake moon landings yeah. and how the Shining is his apology for it and, and like, he's studded stuff all the way through. Yeah, he's got Danny in the in like the little, Apollo little jumper. Eleven jumper. It's and a like, very cute jumper. Yeah. yeah. I am. Um, yeah. I believe we went to the moon, but then I was sort of I saw that, and because I'm very naive and easily swayed, I was like, <laughs> "Nope, Stanley yep. Kubrick film that." <laughs> I also think Paul McCartney died in 1967, <laughs> whatever it was. I think he's been replaced by a doppelganger ever since. Oh, doppelgangers are scary. Uh, Dave, you have not answered the question. What is the scariest movie of all time? I'm going to go with um, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <clears throat> That's a brilliant choice. Mm. Purely because, well, not purely because, but I think it's it's anchored in that reality that I was discussing earlier. Um, it's got the isolation, which I, I can't remember if it was Helen or Alex, you said that's people yeah. being isolated. Mm. And I think that there's the, there's the hammer kill where the door suddenly opens and there's all the grotesqueness of the hooks and stuff. But it, it's just also that bit where whilst looking for help, you stumble across the family and you think we have salvation, someone's going to understand. And then all of a sudden you're at their family banquet and you realise yes. <laughs> they're all in it together. Yeah. And when I first saw that movie, it kind of brought all of the elements of things I still find scary to yeah. this day in, you know, into, my, into the world of horror. So I'm going to go with... Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Good choice. The, di- just, the dinner table sequence. Yeah. My God. Oh yeah. my God. Yeah. Really yeah. scary. Incredible. Yeah. I mean, the Michael Bay version is kind of better, but. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, I'm joking, obviously. I'm joking. Wow. You, you said the word doppelgangers there, and yeah. uh, the Drew Barrymore movie Doppelganger is pretty scary. I don't know if anyone's ever seen that. I have not. It's a left field choice, Alex, but. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go with it. Is that your official? Is that your answer? Your official answer is anything with Drew Barrymore in it, but especially Juice Big Old European Jiggle. Even riding in cars with boys, terrifying. Yeah, yeah. Never been kissed. That's a terrifying concept, isn't it? Charlie's Angels really shit me up as well. <laughs> 
<laughs> and on that bombshell. <laughs> A good note on which to end, I think. We haven't even mentioned things like George Romero's. I mentioned it briefly, but George Romero's zombie trilogy. Yeah, which, I find the, zombies the dead trilogy, pretty huh? freaking scary. Uh, yeah. It just yeah. seems a little bit too credible. I was also in George Romero's Land of the Dead. Oh, for the love oh. of God. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> There's <laughs> no way that he can prove any of this true, you, by you the brought way. It up. <laughs> it's weird, because like, we were doing it in Toronto, and it was really, really cold at night, and the scene was about 30 seconds long, and they yeah. didn't have the budget to CG out CGI out breath so for the entire 30 seconds as we were stumbling forward they were like just make sure you hold your breath because obviously you're dead and uh, you know <laughs> as a smoker 30 seconds seemed like a lifetime <laughs> you had four in a go afterwards <laughs> I need it I need it it really did ruin the film to see you with an inhaler <laughs> <laughs> my god but I'm in the bit at the start just uh, fans um, <laughs> <laughs> Can everyone else just step back from the mic? Sorry, Alex. Oh, I've, I've seen this on Pornhub, actually. <laughs> Which is a website I've just guessed. <laughs> I, just, I just guessed at URL. There are know. other porn sites available. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm in the bit at the start where the zombies, where they're raiding the town and they fire the fireworks uh, to distract us and all oh, yeah. the zombies look at the fireworks. I'm one of the zombies oh, yeah. that looks up like a stupid zombie. Uh, oh, fireworks, great. So, yeah. That's, that's my bit. That's really cool, man. Yeah. Do you wow, look at the really camera? That's really cool. <laughs> yeah. Do you look directly at the camera and go, <laughs> give the tiniest thumbs up to the camera, man. <laughs> and they go, I'm Alex Sane. <laughs> <laughs> and I approve this film. <laughs> Always a giveaway. Always a giveaway. You I actually recognise me from other films like Juice Bigelow, European <laughs> Jiggle. At one point during the take for Hostel Part 2, I did look directly at the camera and they had to stop and go oh. again. Chris, really? <laughs> Putting the movie massively over. <laughs> I didn't think I was in shot. And the AD comes, he was a very forbidding check. A guy comes over, you are in shot. Do not do that again. I'm like, oh God, Jesus. But yeah, and it got cut out the, uh, another part of the movie as well. That's also, it sounds like how James Cameron directs everyone in the movie. <laughs> You're in shot. Don't do that again. Slower, less intense. Um, shut up, Kate. <laughs> shut up, Leo. Just cry and run around Titanic. <laughs> Listen to me! Anyway. I can know there's enough room on the door for two people! <laughs> okay, right, time to bring this bad boy home then. All right, because that is all the time we have, I'm afraid. Uh, but if this has got you all stoked up to see any of the films we talked about, uh, particularly the ones that have Alex in them, or me, you know, I actually get credited. If you go on IMDb, there I am, drunk British slob. That's me. Is that what you get credited as? <sighs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's because you look at the camera. <laughs> you had a big part in the movie. <laughs> you were hero of movie. Now you're a drunk British slob. You're going to have a much bigger part, but no, drunk British slob is you. <laughs> oh. Then check out the Halloween collection. There you will find all kinds of excellent scary films. So they've got uh, the first four Alien movies on there. They've got Hostel. Dave, they've got Hostel. Yes, I love Hostel. There we go. They've got John Carpenter's The Thing. The first three Oma movies, Event Horizon. Oh, Alex. No, right. Leave it, leave it. Scariest movie ever. Say. Wait a second, they've got Bram Stoker's Dracula. That's <laughs> amazingly scary, just from an accent point of view. <laughs> I know where Listen. the bastard sleeps. <laughs> Listen to the children of the night. What beautiful music I might. <laughs> Wait a minute, that's the guy who directed me on Hostel Part 2. It's <laughs> Gary Oldman in oh character. That's so amazing. That oh, my God. oh my God. What else they got? They got The Nun, they got Annabelle, they got Overlord, which is really, oh, if you haven't seen it, really kick-ass. So, so good. They got The Shining. 
Now, is it the Kubrick version or the Mick Garris version? <laughs> I'm not entirely sure. I'm pretty sure it's a Kubrick. It's Stephen King reading the book. <laughs> Most terrifying of all. This is how it should have been all along. <laughs> Chapter one. <laughs> and they've got the first eight Friday the 13th movies, which means that it culminates in Jason Takes Manhattan and Jason Voorhees literally punching someone's head off. So something for everyone there, whether you want to watch Jason Voorhees or Michael Myers or some other mass maniac. And you can visit sky.com forward slash sky cinema for details on how to subscribe. And all that remains for me now is to say farewell to Alex Sane. Uh, <laughs> goodbye, Chris. <laughs> goodbye, Alex. Uh, we'll talk later about Lizard and Blizzard, by the uh, way. Yes, yeah, I'm okay. absolutely in. Very much on board with you being on board. Thanks very much. Uh, it's goodbye and farewell from Dave Barry. Thanks, everybody. It's quite ominous that during this chat, my apple has rotted to just a core. <laughs> How long have we been in here? I, I have no idea. Which I've year been... is it? <laughs> it's farewell from Helen O'Hara. The children of the night. What what music they make. (laughs) That was the only line I remember from Dracula as well, damn it. Do you remember I'm Dracula? That was quite quite a big one. Was that really a line? Literally, I'm Dracula. I am Dracula, yeah. But you didn't say it like you usually say it. I'm Draclear. Draclear, yeah, no. Uh, another time another time you had one line in movie I'm Dracula <laughs> and you said Dracula you lazy had... slob with fangs we'll put him as that you had one job now you have no job anyway until anyway. we meet again I am off to check for that noise in the basement and uh, I'm sure it's nothing and if you've been scared by any of the events in this podcast then just keep repeating it's only a podcast it's only a podcast it's only a podcast or is it thanks for listening see you next time Bye.